Welcome to the Zico Health Show. This is weight management expert, Narado Zico Powell. Here we discuss fitness, nutrition, gut health, alternative medicine, and anything else that impacts your health and fitness. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. Everyone, welcome to another episode of the Zika Health Show. This is weight management expert, Narado Zico Powell. And everyone, I have a treat for you today. I have Paul Shapiro. And I'm going to be honest with you. When I was first introduced to Paul and he told me about clean meats and what he does, I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> so I did some research and I, saw, and I watched his TED Talk. And I found out about his book and the work that he actually does. And it's very interesting, you know, because I've said before that when we start to work on our health and we try to improve our health, that always some way translates to the health of our, of our environment and the health of Mother Earth. And that's what Paul and I are going to get into today. He, he's going to talk about his book that he has. He's going to talk about his company where they're actually teaching us to get the proteins from the food that we eat without having to slaughter and butcher a ton of animals. And so this, this episode right here is going to be really powerful, and I want you guys to stick with it because you're going to learn a lot today. And the things that he's doing is going to revolutionize how we look at food. Hey, Paul, how are you doing today? Gerardo, nice to talk to you, man. Great to talk to you. You too, you too. I'm excited for this. This is going to be the most unique interview that I've done so far. So, oh, I'm I'm very honored, Narado. Thank you. I I hope to deliver on that on that prediction here. I'm pretty sure you will. I'm pretty sure you will. So, let's get weird. So, first, my friend, tell us about yourself. Tell us about your journey. Tell us about your company. Tell us about your qualifications. What do you do? Sure, Narado. So, you know, look. It's no longer a secret that the planet is just not getting any bigger, right? So humanity's footprint on the planet is getting a lot bigger, but the planet itself just isn't getting any bigger. And one of the primary ways that we leave that footprint is through our food print, principally in the amount of meat that we eat. It just takes a lot of land, a lot of water, a lot of greenhouse gas emissions to raise and slaughter billions upon billions of animals for food. And not to mention the inhumane treatment of those animals as well. And so what we at the Better Meat Co. are trying to do and what I discuss in my book, Clean Meat, is a new way of producing meat for humanity in the same way that we need to create new ways to get energy, right? So in the past, much of our energy has come from fossil fuels, and now we need to shift to renewable energy. Well, in the past, a lot of our meat or all of our meat has come from slaughtering animals, but now we are developing methods of divorcing meat production from livestock slaughter. And we can do that through a variety of ways. My book, which is called Clean Meat, How Growing Meat Without Animals Will Revolutionize Dinner in the World, explores this topic of growing real meat without animals, not an alternative to meat, not a substitute to meat, to real meat grown from animal cells simply without having to slaughter the animal. My own company, The Better Meat Co., focuses on using fermentation to create meat-like experiences for people utilizing microscopic fungi and converting them through a special kind of fermentation into something that really looks and tastes like animal meat. So those are a couple of the ways that we can create meat experiences without animals, but there's more as well. And that's in a nutshell, what I'm devoting my life to trying to accomplish because just as we need renewable energy to become the norm, 
we need animal-free protein to become the norm as well. You know, you started by saying that the world is not getting any bigger, or the earth is not getting any bigger, right? I mean, population is growing, but the earth yeah. itself is not getting bigger. So That's then right. How, right. So then how are we going to feed all these people with less resource than we have had before? That's exactly right. So, you know, Narado, you are making the point that needs to be made, which is that, you know, there's 7.8 billion humans walking around on the planet today. And unless there's some catastrophe that fells our numbers, by the year 2050, we're going to add another 2 billion people to the planet. So we're not going to be farming the, Mar uh, the moon. We're not going to be farming Mars. We only have one celestial body to farm, and that's right here on Earth. But all of those 2 billion additional people who are going to be added to the planet in the next 30 years are going to want to eat meat as well. Nearly all of them are going to want to eat meat, and the people who are here want to eat more meat than they currently do. Meat demand in places like China and India are going up, not down. And so because we know that the number one cause of deforestation on our planet is meat production, it's, it's felling forests in order to provide cropland or grazing land for farm animals. And we don't have a lot more forests left to destroy. And we just can't turn the entire earth into a factory farm for chickens and pigs and cows to feed us all. We need to find better ways because we're going to have to produce a lot more protein in the next 30 years, and we're going to have to do it with far fewer resources than what we've had available in the past. And there's only one way to do that, and that is to go away from exploiting animals for food and toward utilizing cells, microbes, plants, and others to another non-animal sources to provide protein for humanity. Exactly. And I, I definitely like that. And when I watched your TED Talk, I actually found it very interesting because this is a concept that even myself, I'm not necessarily familiar with. So the, 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 the way you brought it across, it starts by explaining that look, we can't keep doing what we've been doing. That's one of the definitions of insanity, right? Doing the same things over and over again, expecting a different result. So when it comes to the earth and the problems that we have, we have to make adjustments. I mean, we have done things like with monocropping, which actually has made things worse, our farming practices, which have made things worse, because we're just trying to feed too many people. So this is a this is not just a me problem or you problem. This is a human problem. Yeah. And far beyond that, this is a animal problem. This is the earth. This is a large, a huge impact on everything that we do. And when we're talking about not just today, but our children, right, and our grandchildren, and so on and so forth, what, are, what do they have to live on? And the mindset and what you're bringing to us is something that can change the world for them so this earth can thrive for um, longer. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Narado. And, you know, I just point out, you know, right now, you know, if you're in a room, look at the light switch. And if you turn that light switch on or off, what you're trying to accomplish is the experience of an illuminated or a darkened room, right? You're not thinking about whether the light is coming from coal or oil or solar or wind. You just want light or you want dark. That's it. The same is so with meat. Most people, when they eat meat, aren't thinking to themselves, oh, I'm so glad an animal was slaughtered for this. If anything, they might think I would prefer an animal not be slaughtered for this. But they want the experience of meat, just like we want the experience of light in the room. And that experience of meat can be produced without animals. 
we no longer have to rely on the exploitation and slaughter of animals in order to produce a meat-like experience. So for example, at the Better Meat Co, what we're doing is essentially taking tiny microscopic fungi and we're feeding them potatoes. So if you think about like a cow, a cow eats grass and turns that grass into a steak, but it takes a long time, more than a year of feeding the cow before you slaughter her. What happens with our little microbes is that we feed them potatoes. And just like a cow converts grass into steak, our little tiny little microscopic fungi convert potatoes into something that really looks like animal meat. And they do it not in more than a year, they do it in less than one single day. So from the time we inoculate our fermenter to the time when we're harvesting our meat, what we're getting is less than a day's worth of time for really a large amount of meat. And that is a real key advantage of divorcing animals from this process because you no longer have to wait for that cow to continue eating for more than a year. We can do this with a fraction of the resources needed to raise and slaughter animals, but give the consumer the same type of experience in the end, except not only does it not involve the cruelty that we subject animals to, not only is it better for the planet, but it also is better for us because it has no cholesterol, no saturated fat, and it's just a better product. Oh, that's very interesting. So you mentioned earlier fermentation. So the process you just mentioned, is that in addition to fermentation? That That is fermentation. So in the same way, if you walk into a beer brewery, what you're going to see are micro people are, are fermenting microbes, in that case, brewer's yeast, and they're feeding it sugar, right? And that sugar is producing alcohol. That's what happens. You take brewer's yeast, you feed it sugar, it produces alcohol. That's the type of fermentation that creates beer. Well, we are doing a, a similar kind of fermentation, except we're not trying to produce alcohol here and we're not using brewer's yeast. We're using a different kind of microbe. And when we feed it a starchy food like a potato, the result is that it produces something that really looks like animal meat. Oh, you just blew my mind. I mean, mind blown. I think mic drop. You <laughs> just got me right there. Um, so... We touch on a lot of things just already, and we talk about what really, what 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 you what you're really doing. We talk about the impact on the earth and why we need to make changes, right? But then, other than environmental impact, some people may they may not say it out loud, but they may think it. I don't really care about the earth. So, <laughs> other than environmental impact, what are some reasons why someone would want to switch to, let's say, clean meat? Sure. Well, let's take a look at the kind of meat that the Better Meat Co., my own company, is producing. In addition to it being better for the planet, in addition to it being better for animals, in addition to it tasting fantastic, you're going to get a meat experience that has no saturated fat, no cholesterol, yet at the same time, it's higher in protein than eggs, higher in iron than beef, and importantly, it is high in fiber. So it's important to remember, you know, a lot of the times people are looking for protein content in food, even though they aren't protein deficient. You know, people are always looking out saying, oh, how can I get more protein? They want to see on the front of the pack how many grams of protein there are in a food. But virtually nobody listening to this podcast is protein deficient. They probably have never even met a protein deficient person. Yet nearly everybody listening to this podcast and nearly every person you've ever met is fiber deficient. So nine out of 10 Americans do not get the recommended daily allotment of fiber. And the problem with getting too little fiber is of course you get problems like uh, uh, constipation, but it's also you're gonna get increased risk of really serious ailments like colon cancer. And 
fiber is something that we all need, but we aren't really getting, whereas protein is something that we're already getting enough of by and large. And so the benefit of our, what we call mycoprotein at the Better Mico is yes, you're gonna get the protein that you want, but you're also gonna get the fiber that you need. And so if you think about animal-based meat, there's no fiber in it at all. So the reason, you know, animals have skeletons, that's what holds us up. Plants don't have skeletons, so that's, what, that's why they have fiber. Fiber holds them up, it's their skeleton. Um, so when you eat meat from an animal, you're not getting any fiber at all. But when you eat plants, typically speaking, you are going to get fiber. And so that's a real benefit here. Again, no saturated fat, no cholesterol, but also high fiber and high protein. So are you telling me that I can take out the bad stuff and actually get the stuff I need? That's right. That's right, Narado. So you, we, we will deliver not just the meat experience without animals, we will deliver a better meat experience without animals, such that in the same way, for example, that if you think about the shift from uh, print photography to digital photography, you know, with digital photography, you still get the same experience, right? You're capturing your memory. That's the goal. But digital is better because of all these reasons that we know about, that you're going to get your photo instantly rather than waiting hours or days. You're going to um, be able to take lots of photos for the same price. You know, it used to be that every photo you took, you're using up one of your precious negatives. There are all these reasons why digital, while it, can, while it, it fulfills the same need to document your memories, it's actually a better experience than print photography. And the same is so with what we are doing by making meat without animals. Yes, we'll deliver that meat experience that you're used to, but it will be even better. Ah, interesting. And you know what? I wanna touch, touch on it from the health aspect as well. We already know about saturated fat and we know about cholesterol, but you mentioned fiber. And a lot of times when I've talked to coaches that they, they talk about the macros, right? And you're going to understand this language, of course, being an athlete. We talk about fats, carbs, and protein. Right. Well, to me, the fourth macro is fiber. Yeah, yeah. Which, as you mentioned, most people are fiber deficient. That's well, right. a key thing with fiber that people do not realize is fiber is food for healthy bacteria, which is probiotics. Of course, you understand that. Yes. Right. It's not just that fiber will fill you up and will help satiate you so you don't overeat and become overweight. It's also what your microbiome needs. They feast on fiber. All the good bugs in your intestines, they want that fiber. That's you're feeding your own microbiome, not just yourself. And so if you want the good bacteria in your gut, you have to feed them fiber. That's what they like eating. And exactly. And again, you don't get fiber from meat. You're going to get fiber from eating whole plant foods. And so because most people don't eat enough fruits and vegetables, we're fiber deficient. And therefore, we have these deficient microflora in our intestines that lead to all types of problems. And my, my carnivore friends out there, I wrote an article on, um, on my blog. And I talked about the carnivore diet, which I'm not necessarily against it. But I talk about the benefits and the possible downfalls of the carnivore diet. And one of it is not getting adequate fiber. Because we look at just how the human body is designed, we, we need fiber. That's one, that's one of the macronutrients that we actually need. And it goes back to what you're saying, feeding your gut fauna, feeding your good bacteria. It's just yeah. like, if you think about it, if you plant anything, in it, um, any, 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 any plant, and you don't give it what it needs, you don't put it in soil, you don't give it sunlight, you don't give it water, eventually it's going to die. And that's how we have to think about our probiotics. You can take, hopefully you're taking live culture probiotics. That's a whole different conversation. 
but you still need to feed it with good whole fiber because probiotics and good bacteria thrive on prebiotics, which is fiber. So I love how you're making that connection. Yeah, I'm totally with you, Narado. And, you know, I'll, I'll just point out, there's a lot of interest in what like the so-called natural diet for humanity is. And, and that's one reason why there are some people who are interested in, in fad diets like uh, the carnivore diet. The thing about that is, though, that if you look at the actual like hunter gatherers, none of them are excluding plants from their diet. In fact, nearly all of them have a plant predominant diet. Not only that, but if you look at our closest relatives, gorillas and chimpanzees, these are genetically the closest animals in the animal kingdom to us. And they eat a nearly entirely plant-based diet, not exclusively, you know, they'll eat some insect protein every once in a while they go hunt, chimpanzees every once in a while go hunting, maybe once or twice a year. But if you look at our closest relatives, gorillas and chimpanzees, they eat an overwhelmingly plant-based diet. And when you look at most hunter-gatherer societies that still exist today, uh, they're not excluding plant foods from their diet. In fact, they're basing their diets oftentimes on plant foods. Now, that's not true for some populations like the Inuit, where they live, where there's no vegetation. But for most of them who are living in temperate climates, they're eating a diet that has a lot of plants, a lot of fruits and vegetables in it. So the idea that, you know, we, that there might be some diet that would be good to uh, exclude fruits and vegetables, I think is pretty far-fetched. And frankly, I think it's one of these areas where people love good news about bad habits. You know, they want to say, oh, so I, I can eat all the bacon I want and I'll still be fine. Um, you know, nobody's do, nobody's running an article that says, ah, you know, broccoli cures cancer, right? Even though we know that broccoli actually does have an anti-carcinogenic effect. Uh, broccoli will reduce, eating a lot of broccoli does tend to reduce your risk of certain cancers. Um, however, you know, no, you know, CNN isn't going to run a story like study shows broccoli prevents cancer. However, if somebody does a study that says eating bacon prevents cancer, everybody in the world is going to report on that because it's so, it's so crazy that people will think, ah, I love good news about my bad habits. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying everybody needs to go out and, and become vegan overnight. I am saying, though, that uh, by eating a more plant-based diet, there is benefits to us. And it seems to be more aligned with what, um, with what uh, hunter-gatherer societies of humans and our closest relatives in the animal kingdom are consuming as well. I agree. I, I like that. I like that. And also, too, we have to take, t take in mind that they weren't eating bacon a hundred two years ago and all these processed foods and you know it's so funny how now we take a little bit of each like we have we think about foods in nature right and how smart our body is the human body is designed to break down certain foods at certain given times but there's no food in nature that has high fat high carbs high protein all at the same time that's mm -hmm. not how the that's not how the human body works so we have to be very, very, very mindful of that. And also, too, our environment plays an important part, what you just said. We have to be very mindful of that because if you live in, live in colder climates, for example, what you, you, your, your body is able to break down and be able to digest is different than someone like myself who born and grew up in Jamaica who grew up in a warmer environment. So those things do play an important part. And that's why somebody says, is this diet the best for me? I said, well, I can't tell you that. I need to know about your ancestral background. I need to know about your habits now. I need to know how active you are. I need to know about what you do on a day-to-day. -day. All these things play an important part in what you're supposed to eat because what's better for you or more optimal for you is specific to you. 
And that's something that we just don't pay attention to. We're like, oh, keto looks great. Let me do keto. And then somebody ends up with, you know, um, with eating too much protein, for example, because that is, that is also possible. You know, they, um, then they turn down and say, well, keto is bad. No, keto is not the problem. Not even the carnivore diet is necessarily the problem, but it may not be the best for you. And that's something that we need to really pay attention to. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'm not as familiar with uh, with it as you are about what the difference genetic makeups have on what what how we react to different types of diets. I will say I've done a lot of experimentation myself, and um, I, I don't know whether my experience is representative of all of humanity. Of course, that seems unlikely. However, um, in my own experience, my own uh, practice which I mean practice in the literal sense, practicing with different diets to see how I feel. I have found a general rule, which is that the more whole fruits, whole vegetables, and whole grains that I eat, so brown rice, quinoa, whole fruits, whole vegetables, the more of those foods that I eat, the better I feel and the better I perform, both in the gym and running. So whether that's you know running 100 meters or running marathons, I find that more whole foods, fruits, vegetables, and whole grains generally leads to better feeling like a better more energy feeling lighter and feeling better and uh, better athletic performance you're feeding your good gut bacteria there you go yeah maybe that's it maybe that's it <laughs> so let's talk about because in today's day and age right everyone's talking about plant-based food plant-based burgers which in my head still doesn't make any sense <laughs> Well, how is what you do different than, let's say, plant-based burgers or plant-based meat? Sure. Well, we're an ingredients company at the Better Meat Co. So we are not you know, making a product that you're going to see out on the shelf. We supply other companies. What we're doing is a, making a whole food protein. So if you think about it like a plant-based burger today, generally it's made out of pea protein. So what that means is you got to grow a field of peas, harvest the peas, turn them into a flour. Then you take out the fiber, take out the fat. Now you have a pea protein powder. But that powder doesn't have the texture of meat, so you need to subject it to something that's called extrusion. And that's basically a fancy way of saying high pressure and high heat. That changes the structure of the protein so that it becomes more animal-like in its nature. And that's a good way to make a meat-like experience from, let's say, a pea. However, what we at the Better Meat Co. are doing is we're not using extrusion and fractionation and isolation and all those other techniques I just talked about. Rather, merely through fermentation, we are able to get a meat-like product that is a whole food. So we can create a meat-like experience without all of that processing. Instead, it's a whole food that straight out of the fermenter naturally has a meat-like texture and is really, really delicious. Oh, that is really awesome. And you keep saying whole foods, and I love the fact you keep saying whole foods because it is whole foods in a way of it also excludes the saturated fats and the cholesterol. And today, in today's day and age, we have to also really, everybody's concerned about fat now, right? Eating too much fat, especially saturated fat. We're, we're very concerned about our cholesterol levels. Go to the doctor, you get that tested, want to hit about 40 or whatever the case may be, right? So it's important to, to note that your, your um, clean meats actually excludes those two. And I, go ahead. Yeah, what we're doing at the Better Meat Co. It, it where there's no cholesterol, no saturated fat, and what you can do is with a lot of these types of uh, products, you can create better meat. So you can create meat that is going to taste similar but not have those same downsides. 
Exactly, and I I love. I'm gonna actually I'm gonna say better meat going forward, and not say clean meat. <laughs> Just to make sure I'm politically correct. <laughs> but thank you so much for that. So, Stardust like the Better Meat Co. They're using um microbial fermentation to grow meat like foods, right? Yep. Um, how is that their actual process like different from making the plant plant based meat today? Uh, sure. So plant-based meat is made, as, it, as the name says, from plants, from soybeans or from peas or from wheat. We are not relying on plants. We are relying on microbes. And so what we can do is instead of having to take a plant and process it in such a way to make it look like an animal, we use microscopic fungi. So if you think about it, you know, think about these three kingdoms, right? You got plant the kingdom, animal kingdom, and the fungi kingdom. A lot of the times people aren't really familiar with the fact that fungi are not plants but they're not. They're an entirely different kingdom altogether. Fungi are different are a different kingdom. And in fact, evolutionarily speaking, they are way closer to animals than they are to plants. And so this is one reason uh, when you think about like mushrooms, they generally have a meatier texture than plants do, right? It's not saying it's identical to meat, but it, it's meatier than plants are. What we're doing is not necessarily using mushrooms, we're using microscopic fungi. And those little microscopic fungi, these tiny little microbes that you can't see with your naked eye, when we feed them starchy foods like a potato, that potato is less than 1% protein. But when we run a fermentation with them, our little microbes convert it from a potato, which is less than 1% protein, within hours to a meat-like food that is 45% protein. It seems like magic, but it's not magic. It's just science. We're converting starchy foods into protein foods. And it is a really efficient way to produce succulent, delicious meat experiences for people with a tiny fraction of the resources needed to raise and slaughter animals. I don't know if you remember this or if you ever watched it, but when I was a child, I think it was on Disney. There was a show called Real Science. I remember Bill Nye the Science Guy. I don't remember Real Science. But every time you say it's science, the theme song pops into my head. I'm like, real science. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm glad. I hope it's a good. I hope it's a good association for you. Oh, it definitely is. Definitely is. Definitely is. But you're true, and it's it's using science the way it's supposed to be used, and I really like that as well. Because when I watched your TED talk and you talked about where we were in our hunter gatherers and where we are now, and the differences of what we know now versus what we used to know, we don't do the same things that we used to do. I think you brought up, um, was it uh, using whale, um, was it whale blubber for oil? That's right. Yeah. So, you know, if you wanted to light your home back in the 1830s, you needed whale oil most of the time. It's not the only source they had, but it was a very popular source. And so, you know, we had a huge whaling industry in the United States and around the world to kill whales to get their fat so that we could light our homes. Well, many people were concerned about the plight of these whales, and they thought we were going to render them extinct. And there were even letters to the editor in newspapers back in the 1830s, 40s, and 50s complaining that we were killing too many whales. But what ended up freeing whales was not sustainability concern or humane sentiment. What ended up freeing whales was the invention of kerosene in that it provided for a cleaner, cheaper way to light our homes. Similarly, we used to have to live pluck geese in order to write anything down. You wanted a pen, it was a quill pen that people used. It's very inhumane to do this to those geese. However, we didn't stop using live plucking of geese as a method for writing because anybody cared about geese, right? We stopped because fountain pens were invented and all of a sudden we had a much better way to write than with a quill. 
Uh, we used to use pigeons to transmit information and then carrier pigeons were retired by the telegraph, not because anybody cared about the pigeons. The list goes on and on and on of all of these areas where we used to exploit animals and now we've invented technologies that create better, superior alternatives to that animal exploitation. And the same is going to happen with meat, that for a long time, the only way we had to get meat was out of an animal's body. Now we are inventing technology that enables us to produce a meat experience for people that doesn't involve exploiting animals. And that is just better that anybody, whether they cared about animals or not, would want to utilize instead. Exactly. I love that. I love that. I, have, I do have a follow-up question now because with all the knowledge you've just given us, I know the one question that's bouncing around in people's minds is, what the hell does this taste like? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Narado, if you like the taste of meat, you will like this because that's what it's like. So if you enjoy eating meat, you will enjoy eating this because these products are made to taste like meat. It's kind of like asking, like, imagine if you lived in a world where the only way to get ice was out of a frozen lake or a frozen river. And that's what we used to have. You, know, you go back to 1850 or so, all the ice anybody had ever seen was harvested out of a lake. Then all of a sudden, refrigeration gets invented. And we have a way, not through nature, but through human-made technology, to get ice. And somebody says, well, what does this artificial ice taste like? Well, it tastes like ice, because that's what it is. It's just made from technology rather than made from nature. That's it. It's the same thing, though, right? It's the same exact thing. You're taking water and cooling it down, except in one case, nature is cooling it down. And in the other case, humans are cooling it down. But in the end, it's just ice. And so at that time, what they called artificial ice, that is really what they called it, uh, eventually became just ice. Nobody even thinks of it as artificial anymore. We all have artificial ice makers in our homes. We call them freezers. We don't think there's anything unnatural about it at all. I think the same is going to happen with meat. In fact, just in the same way that we will look back, that we today look back and say, oh, I'm so glad that we don't have to get ice out of rivers and lakes anymore, but we can make ice on our own. I think a lot of people in the future are going to look back and say, oh, I'm so glad that we don't have to torment and kill all of these animals to get meat because we'll have a much more efficient way to get meat without animals. Ah, uh, and you know what? And I can definitely see that catching on. I, my, my, um, I have a few people in my family who are actually a vegetarian, not because they don't like the taste of meat, but it's just because they feel like it's, 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 it's cruel. It's, it's cruelty. And that's their stand on it. And that's why they don't eat meat. Yeah. Um, so I could definitely see where that can be beneficial. That can definitely catch on. And yeah. give, give that you say, if you like the taste of meat, you're going to like the taste of this. And that's important for people. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and I think, and frankly, Narado, I think your family members are right. What we do to animals is cruel. Most people don't want to learn about it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to belabor it by talking too much about it. But, you know, most people don't want to see what happens to the animals who we use for food. But rest assured, that the animals we use for food are generally speaking treated worse than we would treat the most heinous criminals in our society. You know, we don't treat murderers and rapists the way that we treat chickens and pigs. Uh, they're treated in ways that most people don't even want to look at, let alone wit bear witness to. So I am, uh, you know, concerned like your family members are about the treatment of animals. And I think though that the way to improve it is to create new technologies that render the old system of slaughtering animals just archaic and obsolete in the same way that we would consider a whaling harpoon to be an archaic way to light our homes. That's true. I, I definitely do agree with you. And we have to think forward. We can't think backwards. And um, that's, that's, that, that, that's definitely true. And I'm, I'm, I'm on board with you 100% on that. Um, now, I want to ask you this because think it, think it, Thinking about thinking backwards, a lot of us are going to say, 
this just sounds unnatural. This doesn't sound right. What yeah. do you have to say to those people? Yeah. Sure. Well, Narado, I think that's a good point because, of course, that's kind of like the elephant in the room, right? People were thinking about that, and they thought about that for lots of things. They thought about it with ice. People were thought that making ice with technology rather than out of nature was unnatural. What I would ask, though, is the following. Think about how we produce meat today and wonder just how natural is it. Just take chickens as one example. We genetically select them to grow so big, so fast, that many of them have difficulty taking more than a few steps prior to collapsing underneath their own bulk. We can find them in windowless warehouses where they live by the tens of thousands inside of these sheds where they're living in their own manure. We pump them full of antibiotics. We cause them to live in filthy, stressful conditions. And when it's time to slaughter them, most people don't want to hear about what happens next. So when you consider just how inhumane and unsustainable our current methods of meat production are, I think it's safe to say that the idea of growing meat without animals seems like the naturally preferable option. What we're doing today is not just unnatural, it's unsustainable. It's a leading contributor to climate change, deforestation, wildlife extinction, and more. Yet, it doesn't have to be this way. We can adopt new methods of meat production that are perfectly natural and that are wonderful alternatives to the extremely unnatural methods of meat production that we have present today. So what you're saying then is what we're doing now is unnatural for us as humans, but not just, not just us, but the animals themselves. That's exactly right. It's both unnatural and unsustainable. That's right. And you know what? You know, when, when I talk to people about, you know, food that we eat and we talk about organic or wild caught and they, they always say, or, you know, free roam. And they say, why does it cost more? Why does it cost more? Well, there's a reason why, because we really cannot have a lot. If we don't have enough free roam animals to feed everybody. And it is going to cost more because it literally does cost more to feed those animals. And we're going to pay for it in the end. That's right. exactly right. Look, the, the reason why animals are raised in the inhumane conditions that they are today is not because there was some sadist who said, I want to hurt animals. It's because it's cheaper to do it that way. That's the bottom line. There's a reason why factory farming is cheaper, because you're cramming lots of animals into tiny spaces. If you give the animals more space and better living conditions, it will cost more. And the result is that we should just eat fewer animals. They'll be great. Eat fewer animals and enjoy more plant-based meals. That's a wonderful win for public health. It's a wonderful win for climate. It's a wonderful win for animals. It's a great outcome all around. I love that. I love that. And like what I said earlier, and I actually got this from an Instagram post, when you take care of your health, you're all going, you're going to automatically do what's better for the planet. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what this sounds like. So. Thank you so much, Paul. I mean, you've educated me. I'm not going to lie. I haven't gotten your book yet, but it is on my agenda. So the next time we, I do an interview, I will have read your book. <laughs> well, that's very kind of you, Narado. Thank you. And for those of you who want to read my book, you can get it anywhere the books are sold. Again, it's called Clean Meat, How Growing Meat Without Animals Will Revolutionize Dinner and the World. And if you read it, I'd love to hear from you. Love to hear what you think. So get in touch with me, which you can do at the website cleanmeat.com. You just killed my last question because that's what I was going to ask. Um, <laughs> nice. And all of Paul's contact information, guys, will be available in the show notes as well and also in the description of the podcast. And he and I need to link up on Instagram and connect because uh, we're going to do some more work in the future. I can see this. I'm, I'm, I'm foretelling what's going to happen. So 
Awesome. Narado, I'm giving you a fist bump from California. I hope to make that happen with you, my friend. I will take it. Thank you very much, Paul, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Zico Health Show. If you got good quality content out of this episode, save, subscribe, and share it out there with family, friends, co-workers, or anybody who needs to hear this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.